Welcome to Initiative Roll, a Dungeon Master's Guide to Mastering Dungeons. I'm your Dungeon Master, Nathaniel Johnson, and today's episode is going to be a little different. We alluded to this last time, but what we're going to be doing today is we have two character creation segments, and that's actually going to be the whole episode. So our first section is going to be Greg creating his character for the Eberron one-shot campaign that we'll be uploading in two weeks. Um, next week we'll be doing the other two characters who will be playing, so... I guess the other portion of this episode, we're going to have Logan do his character creation. And then next week, we will have Quinn and Clay's character creations uploaded. And then the week after, we will have the adventure. So I'm hoping that you appreciate this as much as we do. Uh, it's, it's kind of a different experience, though. So if this isn't really your jam, we totally get it. Uh, after this episode and the next two, we'll be back to our regular schedule of adventure recaps and whatnot, which we will do, of course, an adventure recap or a Bard's Corner for the, uh, for the one-shot. I think that would be really fun. So without any further ado, let's get into the first character creation. bonus episode of Initiative Roll, a Dungeon Master's Guide to Mastering Dungeons. I'm your Dungeon Master, Nathaniel Johnson. And I'm your player, Greg Marchant. So in today's bonus episode, all this is, uh, by the time we're recording this actually, we haven't even uh, told our audience what we're doing, but this is for our surprise episode. Um which I guess this episode, this bonus content, will come out after we do the surprise episode. But the surprise episode, as you should all hopefully now know, is a live play session uh, run by me with everybody who's been a guest on the show as a player in the campaign setting. I I kind of feel really weird, like, not saying, and I'm your dungeon master. It is kind of weird, I'm, isn't it? Like, you're doing this kind of thing. But player also sounds really kind of kind of off. Maybe I should have gone with, like, Dungeon Delver? Maybe. Adventurer? Maybe. Uh, yeah, Adventurer, Player, Dungeon Delver. Yeah, there's not really a good... There's not a good... That doesn't have the same ring to it. It's a good thing this is a Dungeon Masters podcast. Right? <laughs> Don't worry, I feel the same way whenever I have say when we've got a guest. And I'm your ho co-host. It's like, ugh, I, that doesn't that doesn't drive right. We do not have Logan with us, though he will be in another one of these bonus episodes, uh, creating his own character. Um, but today, and for the other three episodes we're going to do like this, this is just going to be each person creating their character. We understand that this is also probably going to be some of the least viewed content that we ever put out, but we figured it could be kind of fun for people who are interested to see how various characters get made. Yeah. So I've kind of got my character concept already prepped. Great. I don't know exactly what order you want to do this. Yeah, in. let's let's just... Uh, I'll start by explaining the campaign setting briefly for anybody who doesn't know. Um, it'll take me like a minute. So if you've heard this before in one of our other episodes, you know, you Skip can kind of zone. Skip forward 60 seconds. Skip forward 60-ish seconds. So this is set in the Eberron campaign setting, and that is what I like to call futuristic magic. 
Now, in a futuristic magic setting, that means that magic and technology are essentially indistinguishable. And particularly in the Eberron campaign setting, which was originally done for 3.5, and then they did it again for 4, and they're starting to publish material for 5th, which makes me real happy. Um, yeah, they, they don't have anything official that you go out and buy except for the uh, Wayfinder's Path to Eberron. Which, Wayfinder's Path? Wayfinder's Guide to Wayfinder's Eberron. Wayfinder's Guide. Um, mm -hmm. But the most important thing for this particular character creation is the race that Greg is playing, which is a Warforged. Um Warforged are essentially magic robots who are sentient. So Which is super cool. It is super cool. Uh, so with that, uh, at about this point, people who skipped ahead 60 seconds should be getting back with us in 3, 2, 1. So Greg, go ahead and tell us about your Warforged character. Okay, so my concept for him is like all Warforged in Eberron, he... Um, War Warforged essentially live forever as far as anybody knows as far as anybody knows because they haven't been around a whole long time no they were created by a powerful house to be solely soldiers that that was their whole purpose and um my my warforged guy wall um takes his name from the fact that he's like seven feet tall and 450 pounds right being a robot made out of rock essentially yes I, I was kind of picturing, like, the wood and metal version. Oh, that works, too. But, but either way, yeah, like, of this dense, heavy material, he's not made of uh, sleek aluminum, which, albeit, would still be heavy, but not trees heavy. Yeah, so kind of the, kind of the thing is, Warforged, they, um, once the war was over, they just kind of were left without a purpose. Right. And Wall responded to that by delving into a religion. Um, and he is... Oh, dang it. I'm going to have to go and look this up because I really had to dig into... Um, I'm going to have to go back in our group checks. I really, I really had to dig into like the pantheons of Eberron because it's just such a different campaign setting. I didn't know who he might be... Um, who he might be a follower of. Well, while you're looking that up, I'm going to fill the players in a little bit about how I do uh, campaign settings and how I run the game in general. Um, my rule is, if it's in the rule books, then the players can just assume that that's the rule I'm using. I'd rather them be able to show me in the text, no, really, I do get this ability, and me go, oh, well, I, I guess you do, my bad. So that they can at least have some consistency, and I don't have to have all the rules memorized that way. Um, so with that said, Greg is using information from the Wayfinder's Guide to Eberron. And so even though I don't have that all memorized, it's all considered canon for it. Except for some small changes I'm going to tell him about here in a second. Ooh, okay. But go on for now. Anyway, Wall is going to be a Warforged Cleric. And he's going to be—he's going to be a juggernaut, which means he can be up to seven feet and up to four hundred fifty pounds. And I am going with that. Oh, I—I I think that's a great choice. Um, he—he he will be so unstealthy it's ridiculous. Because I'm also going to give him the option to have the highest natural armor that he can possibly. Okay. Have, which means he gets like a minus two to all stealth rolls. Fantastic! I love that. <laughs> um, and he—he he responded to his lack of purpose by becoming a follower of Dolara of the Sovereign Host which is like a, a god of, a deity of protection. Right. And of, like, defending 
um, of like defending, you know, the, I think it's like defending the common people. Okay. Um, and, but he is kind of curious because a bunch of his warforged, you know, acquaintances are involved in the building of the becoming God. Right. Which is a deity that the warforged are trying to build out of, you know, metal and machines and things like yep. that. It's kind of a big deal. Um, he, he considers himself to be extremely, he, he likes to defend people. Right. He considers himself to be extremely durable. He doesn't pay much attention to when he actually gets injured because he just doesn't ever think that he can really sure. get injured badly. And he muses about moral philosophy at odd times. Okay. I think that's a pretty good description of him. Um, now, this is the stuff that you don't necessarily know that we are changing about the campaign setting, and this is very important. Um, so I've run Eberron before. It was actually, I've mentioned this before, the first campaign setting I ran as an adult, uh, but I did it in 3.5. And we had some really fun things happen in that campaign setting. Um, the Warforged were, in a lot of ways, the bad guys in that campaign setting. Um, that's not to say that I, as a Dungeon Master, take a negative view to Warforged. That just means there tended to be a lot of Warforged who were bad guys. Um, this is set in the exact same campaign setting, but it's 50 years after I ran that campaign. So, a lot has changed since then. For instance, there were 13 noble houses, distinguished by the dragon mark tattoos. Now there's 14. And the 14th house is the Warforged house, but they have no tattoos. Oh. They have not yet finished the Becoming God, though they are still working on it, but it kind of took a a temporary hiatus in the process of being built in order for uh, the working title I have for it, and we're totally going to stick with it, even though it's bad and cheesy, but I found history is bad and cheesy a lot of the time, okay. is um, about two or three years ago, the War of the Forged happened... Which wasn't actually a war, it was more like a civil rights movement inside okay. of Sharn, where the Warforged basically demanded equal rights uh, with the other houses. And they basically argued that even though they don't get Dragonmark tattoos, which is a naturally occurring magical phenomena, they said, we are literally the embodiment of magic. We deserve this equal status. Oh. And... After a long enough battle with this and, you know, all sorts of things that have happened, um, because in the old campaign I ran, the bad guy was a very uh, Malcolm X character, historically speaking. He he was very pro-civil rights, but, you know, kind of sometimes sort of frequently advocated violence from the Warforged. Okay. Um, and so with that history and all the other history that's happened over the past 50 years... Um, it, they decided, as the 13 houses, that they were going to allow this 14th house. Uh, it's ruled by a woman who, a, a female warforged, who changed her name upon being granted the house, and she calls herself the Queen of the Forged. That's her full name. And she will frequently wear war paint that is supposed to resemble dragon mark tattoos. Oh, okay. So, lots of information there. Sounds very Warforged, though. Right. Yeah. And so now, with that said, how does that information shape your conception of Wall? Um, I'm not totally sure, because he's, I mean, he's not, like, 
necessarily a pacifist. Sure. But I he he was he probably already would have been, you know, kind of like aligned with one of the major existing existing religions and maybe found some kind of acceptance or place there. Okay. So I I think he would I think you would be all in favor of equal rights for for Warforged, but I feel like he would probably be looked down on by the Warforged who are currently in the upper echelons of the Warforged house. Sure. I can definitely get on board with that. I think that's I think that fits very well into the worldview. I also kind of feel like he probably wouldn't care too much. That's fair as well. Um, well, um, I, yeah, I just feel like he wouldn't care care quite as much if they were looking down on him. Cool. Um, that's awesome. Uh, now, I haven't read all the way through the Wayfinder's Guide to Eberron, so I'm not sure if they mentioned this, but at least in the old 3.5 version of it, uh, there was a law that... Uh, made it so that no new Warforged could be created. I'm not sure if that's in the Wayfinder's Guide to Eberron. I hope it is. But either way, that law has recently been repealed. Okay. In in lieu of the fact that there's a new house. However, even though it's a new house and it technically has all the rights and privileges of a noble house, that's mostly in name that it has all the rights and privileges and literally all other 13 houses still look down on it and treat it as subpar. And anytime anything goes wrong, they accuse the Warforged house if there's any possible reason to accuse them. Okay. So there's a lot of tension there. A lot, a lot of tension. And I mention this, of course, because this is going to be important for the one shot we're going to do. Okay. Um, so I'll be good then. With that said, uh, let's go ahead and start rolling up statistics. Okay. So with this, for one-shots, I do have a different rule. Um, I allow the players to either roll 5d6 and take the highest three, or roll seven sets of ability scores and drop whichever score they don't want to keep. I'm going to go with number two. Okay. I'm going to do the seven sets and drop the one that I don't want to keep. Okay. Let's see, that first roll is a 9-12. Not bad. That's going to be a 9, it looks like. For those of you listeners, you should know that I don't roll particularly well. Um, 13. Like, these aren't awful rules, but they are very middle of the road. Um, 9, 12. 12. 10, 13. 13. How many are we at? 5? Five? 5, So yeah. two more to go. 14, hey. That's a little bit better. That's a plus 2. That's a little bit better, so that's 11, uh, 15. 15. That's more like it. All right, so I'm assuming we're dropping that 9? Um, yeah, I'm going to go with that. I mean, I, I like for one of my other characters having a 
low number, but not so much for this. Yeah, well, that gives you a plus one on everything, so that's pretty great. Uh, Alright, let's go ahead and assign these scores. Uh, what are you going to put in the strength category? I'm going to put a four, the 14 I rolled in there. Okay. Um, the only... Uh, the only um, racial modifier that Warforged gets is, at least from just the standard one, I think there's some other stuff with uh, him being a juggernaut, but the only standard one is the constitution score increases by one, so strength is just going to be a 14. Okay. So that'll be plus two? Yes. Yeah. Um, and then I put a 12 in dexterity, which is pretty good considering he's 450 pounds he gets plus one yeah there. that's uh you're uh you're suspending disbelief a little bit there and i like it i i'm gonna go with it he is a robot so so fair enough he can do stuff we can't then the constitution i put a 13 in there but because he's a warforged i'm gonna bring that up to 14 very nice and that's gonna be a plus two to constitution which is good because i put his it suggested that you put the next highest score after wisdom in strength or constitution, and I put it in strength. But so now it's both, and because yeah. they're equal now, nice. Whereas, like, if I had gotten a plus one to my fourteen in strength, it would have still been a plus two. So that's going to work out pretty well. Intelligence, he gets a twelve, which I guess that's fair. There's nothing that says someone big has to be stupid. Yeah. So he's slightly above average. Um, I put. My uh, 15 in Wisdom, which is a plus 2 as yes, it well. Is. And then uh, 13 in Charisma, which is a plus 1. Very nice. Um, I need to see if... Being a Juggernaut gives you anything? Yeah. Oh, there's so much stuff. I'm on D&D Beyond. And... Yeah, great website, by the way, if you don't have the books. Uh, they have all the racial statistics for free, even if they're from supplement books. Okay, here we go. So, ability score increase as a juggernaut. Your strength score increases by two. Oh, wow. So, that's going to be a 16 in strength. So, that's going to be a plus three. So, that's now your highest score. Yeah. All right. I think that works, though, given that you're a seven-foot-tall robot. I think it's okay. Like, a plus two to wisdom as a cleric isn't... Isn't, isn't the like... best, but I think it works. Yeah, but also I don't think I, I don't think there's a way with a Warforge to get a plus to wisdom. Sure. They, I think it's all dexterity or uh, dexterity or strength or maybe constitution. Well, at least in the 3.5 stuff, they very heavily recommended certain classes for the Warforge, which were essentially barbarian, fighter, and rogue. Yeah. You were allowed to be other stuff, but they said, given the story and everything, and that the war only had ended two years ago, and the Warforged, most of them were, like, less than ten years old, mm -hmm. and weren't really considered people, Yeah, that, you know, that, that you probably shouldn't let them access all the other classes, because <laughs> they wouldn't be allowed to in the politics. Yeah, that wouldn't make sense. That would involve a little bit too much of suspension of disbelief. Oh, but here's something cool. I get a... When I make an unarmed strike, so if I just okay. punch someone, I get to do 1d4 plus strength. Oh, very cool. So Which is potentially uh, which is potentially a 7, and that would be because of my plus 3. Sure. And an average of, like, 4 or 5. Yeah. Just from punching somebody, which that's... might be even better than some weapons. Yeah, that's actually pretty great. Uh, I, I love this idea, too, because there is... Uh... Not a small chance that in the city you might not be allowed to have weapons in certain areas. Okay. And so 
Um, I'm not saying that will happen. There's still going to be a lot of your choices involved, but you could go places where they wouldn't want you to have weapons on you. Yeah. And Warforged can't really hide their weaponry, just FYI. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're not really big into the whole clothes thing, just kind of like armored right. skin and that kind of thing. Um, okay, let me think here. Although I do think I'm going to have him wear clerical vestments over his stuff. It's I think that works. Like the, it's going to be the most awkward fashion statement can, ever. Can we make it so that he, uh, that he definitely wears like a clerical headband of some kind? Sure. I, I think that would How be... How are you picturing a clerical headband? Though? I don't know. But like, something that has his deity's symbol right smack on his forehead. But then just, you know... Can it be a magnet? <laughs> like a fridge magnet just <laughs> on his head yes well, of slight, course slightly more uh yeah sure sure i get refined, it but like but yes a fridge magnet just yeah like will you write that in his gear right now will you write a uh, clerical fridge magnet i think clerical that's fridge magnet i think that's perfect okay and be sure, by the way, when we actually sit down to play, that when you introduce your character, that as you describe him physically, you need to include that as part of the description. Okay. Clerical fridge magnet on his head, and I'm going to look up the symbol for Dolara, and we're going we're gonna to run with that. I love it. Um, let's see. I just wrote in level five there at the top. Um, I need to figure out his hit points really quick, I think. So he's a cleric. Yeah, so that's going to be a D8. first level is 1D... Oh, where did my dice go? While we're uh, doing that, do you know what kind of cleric he's going to be? Uh, War Domain. War Domain. Excellent. Yeah. I think that works perfectly. I, I just figured it kind of made more sense than the other stuff. Okay, that's a 2 for the first level. No, first level you automatically get full health, so you only have to roll oh. four times. Oh, I was just going to take the 5 plus my constitution modifier. For everything? Yeah. Yeah, so you get the 8. So 8 plus constitution is 2, so I start with 10. And, and then, then I add 7 for 4 more levels. So 28, so 38 health. That's pretty okay with me, especially since he's going to have a ridiculous armor class. Yeah, I'm interested to see what that's going to be. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you should be. <laughs> should I, I be worried? I, I looked up. So I I was going through the uh, Warforged stuff. Let me see. There's a table in here. Um, you can alter your body to enter different defensive modes. Each time you finish a long rest, choose one mode to adopt from the integrated protection table. Um, and this is for all Warforged. Um, provided you meet the mode's prerequisite. And I think I will meet the highest one so it has unarmored which is just your dark wood core um which makes your armor class 11 plus dex um composite plating armor is 13 plus your dex um and then heavy plating armor requires heavy armor proficiency which i think i get as a cleric uh, particularly as a war domain cleric i think i do go ahead and flip to the war domain section uh, which should be near the end um, of the cleric section, and it should tell you. Armor, I think. Yeah, you get light and medium for being a cleric, and I know the life War cleric domain. gives you heavy. So it should say bonus proficiencies. Um, no, it's uh, martial weapons and heavy armor. There you go. I gain proficiency with martial weapons and heavy armor. So my, uh, my, um, 
armor class is going to be 16 plus my proficiency bonus. Okay. Um, disadvantage wow. on dexterity stealth checks. Okay, which I think makes sense. Um, also, something that I think you should be aware of, because Warforged have been along long enough for people to get used to them, uh, most people can generally recognize when they're in different armor modes. So be aware that if you're in full battle armor trying to negotiate with somebody, they might take that as an act of hostility. Okay. Which I think is reasonable. It would be like if you walked into, you know, somebody's home wearing full plate mail. Yeah. Okay, so for now, under my armor class, I'm just going to write depends. Okay. Um, are you going to be giving your character a shield? Um, I think I get one as part of my equipment as a... I, I believe you do. As a cleric, so yeah. So what, what's your max armor class, just for uh, those keeping um, score at home? So my proficiency is 3, so it's 16 plus 3 is 19. It's not or proficiency. Not, not six, sorry, um... Plus dexterity. Yeah, no, it's plus proficiency for heavy plating armor. Really? 16 plus your proficiency wow. bonus, Which is 19, and a shield would be a plus 2? Yeah, so 21. Armor class of 21. That's, uh... So he's not Ooh. he's not wrong when he thinks he's kind of invulnerable. That's, uh, that's quite the armor class. 21, and, uh... But I will have to keep in mind that he can't wear that all the time, necessarily. I mean, he could, it just... Might Without not always be in consequences. Yeah. That's... I would imagine it would probably be like kind of stiff and uncomfortable too. Probably. <laughs> but But who knows if he feels, you know, pain really. Who knows? I'll, I'll let that be uh, your I'm gonna go with we I'm gonna go with he hasn't been injured very much and he's gonna find out. Alright. I don't <laughs> like that. Cause hopefully he will get injured. I I feel like that's a necessary thing for I feel like that's a necessary thing for any campaign if you walk away from it unscathed. All right. So, now, the natural choice for a background for him would be the soldier background because of the war. Yeah. Um, however, he's also had another 50 or so years of life, so he could have a different background to draw from. I, I was kind of thinking about the acolyte background. Okay, and that would work as well. Yeah, just because it's kind of the recommended one. And soldier, I, I looked at what he gets for being a soldier, and like he gets a plus to intimidation, which is kind of cool. But then all of the other stuff is just like, oh, you get... Um, I, I'm i still kind of debating, because it's like soldier or acolyte. Because with the soldier, you get a plus one to intimidation, which I feel like would be kind of cool. Sure. Especially since my charisma is, uh, is just one. Yeah. And one of the things uh, with that is the higher level you get, the more your skill bonuses really matter because that proficiency bonus starts coming in handy. Um, but if you think Acolyte's a better choice, I, I'm totally with you there. Because, like I said, the war was 50 years ago. Who knows how much that background is actually affecting him. Yeah. Um, do I get... I feel like I get clerical vestments just by just from being... Yeah, player. you do. Um... We won't stress too much on this part of the show, all the various uh, things that you regularly get. You can fill those in later. There will be items that you're going to be getting that we are going to stress on this because I think it's uh, kind of valuable to see how to create a level 5 character because it's reasonable that you would have more than just the starting gear. I I think I am going to go with Soldier because I like that plus 1 to Intimidation. Uh, It's not plus 1, it's plus an extra 3. Because of the proficiency bonus. Oh, oh yeah, it's proficiency. You are right. Intimidation. And since you're level 5, your proficiency bonus has gone up. 
Yeah. Because, yeah, it's the my proficiency bonus is plus three. Okay, so I need to fill in intimidation and athletics. I think the athletics definitely makes sense. So what's your athletics bonus? Plus six? That's not half bad. Yeah. Given that you don't have any perfect scores anywhere and you're not a Logan's Bard characters <laughs> who get, like, plus nines at level one. Yeah, I don't know. I, I still need to look into how he actually pulls that oh, off. He, I do not understand it. He totally pulls it off. It's it's really simple. He just has a perfect charisma score, which gives him plus five. And he's <laughs> proficient in stuff, which gives him plus two. And he's barred, so he's doubly proficient in some things. So it's plus nine. By the time he hits like level like 17 or whatever, he'll be having plus 17 to his charisma skills. So, food for thought. Woo! <laughs> Kind of like how I'm going to have to start making difficulty checks for fear. Be like, if I want him, if I want him to have a, a heavy chance of failing, there's, it's got to be between 20 and 25 difficulty Yeah. at this point for anything wizardly. Yeah. If you want it to be a high chance of failure. If I want there to be, like, even a moderate chance of failure, it's got to be between 15 and 20. Yeah. Uh, it's got to be about 20 if I want a moderate chance of yeah. failure at this point. Yeah. Which is, uh, yikes. Tiefling gets some ridiculous bonuses there. Yeah. The one-horned Tiefling gets some ridiculous bonuses. Um, okay, so... Let's see. I, I don't think I need to fill in all of, like, the extra equipment I get right now. No. You can fill that in later, just whatever's yeah, on the soldier page. Yeah, that's just what I was thinking. Uh, and what are the other two skills you're going to take for being a cleric? Um, religion is going to be one. Okay, good. Because... I agree. That's... That kind makes of sense. his, uh, shtick is that he he philosophizes and punches people in the face punches people in the face that's kind of his um dominant i i decided that was his quirk because warforged are supposed to have some kind of quirk right. that makes them somehow socially awkward and um that's it <laughs> that's it he he doesn't have a great sense of timing for yeah anyway doesn't have any sense. I'm really excited to see you roleplay that. I'm I'm really hoping I do a good job. Okay, one d eight on my hit dice per cleric level. So, so five d eight. Oh five. Yeah, I keep thinking third level character, but no. Fifth no, no. Level character. Fifth level. Uh, there's some. Uh, I, I feel like for one shots, fifth level is a really good place to. Yeah, it seems like. It, I'm looking at these numbers, and these are higher numbers than I, like these numbers that I could potentially get, and they're higher numbers than I ever thought I, um, would, uh, um, any, they're higher numbers than I would ever think of getting as a, you know, first or second level character. Yeah. Um, do you have all of your skills? I see three. How many skills do clerics get? Uh, clerics get two. Oh, um, okay. Religion. Insight or medicine? So insight's going to help you tell what people are thinking. That's mm -hmm. how I typically use that. Okay. Um, medicine, I personally don't think he would know a ton about medicine because he's a yeah. robot. Um, I, I could pick history, but I'm okay without that, I feel like. Sure. And I could pick persuasion, but I already have intimidation, so I'm just going to run with that. Sure. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go with insight. Okay. Uh, where'd it go? Wisdom. Insight. There it is. Yep. Yay. I think that's a great choice. I'm, I'm going to go with insight. So that's my only per, that's my only bonus proficiency in the cleric, you know, spellcasting um, section. Awesome. That's, that's okay. 
They don't, clerics don't get a whole lot that way. Um, where do you want to go next with this? Uh, let's start going through and leveling up his abilities. I think just about everything else we can leave off, so any equipment or whatever. Um, well, I say any equipment. We'll be getting to some special equipment stuff later. Okay. Um, but the standard equipment you can just write in. Um, except for, do you know what weapon you're going to give him? Um... I am not sure what weapon I'm going to give him yet. We'll hold off on that then. We might circle back to that at the end of this. Um, Let's go ahead and... Is there anything that he gets... Let me come over to your side real quick and look at the chart for the leveling. Proof that I really don't have these books memorized. Alright, so let's see. You've got spellcasting, divine domain, channel divinity, divine domain feature. Let's go ahead and look at what you get for uh, divine domain stuff. Yeah. For the war domain. Because even though you could write this all in, I think this is interesting. This plays into your choice that you made. Yeah, okay. So, divine domain. So first of all, you're going to get a couple of spells. Uh, Divine favor, shield of faith, magic weapon, and spiritual weapon. Those are always prepped for you. Okay. Um, plus all the other spells you get to prep on the daily. I get a uh, fifth level spells. No, only third because oh. fifth level spells come when you're level oh, seven. Oh, duh! I keep confusing. I them. wish there yeah. was a better system for that. I, I feel like they could make one. I, I they yeah. Could at least use like letters instead of yeah, numbers. Yeah, I've thought about that. But this is definitely very old D and D, at least AD and D, maybe older style of doing things. So it's yeah. stuck. Um. Um. Yeah. So. Magic weapon, spiritual weapon, divine favor, and shield of faith. And All then, super cool. Uh, War priest, from first level, your god delivers bolts of inspiration to you while you are engaged in battle. When you use the attack action, you can make one weapon attack as a bonus action. Ooh. So I can take a bonus attack straight up from first level as a yeah. cleric of the war domain. Um, how is... many times can you do that? Um... A number of times equal to your wisdom modifier. So plus two. Yeah. So two times you can do that. And then it comes back at a long rest. Okay. Not that's a... still... That's useful. Uh, yeah. It's... That's two extra times that I get to get a hit in. Well, um, that you get to try to get a hit in. I get to try to get a hit in. Um, starting second level, my I have channel divinity... Divin, divinity... Guided strike. So starting at second level, you can use your channel divinity to strike with supernatural accuracy. When you make an attack roll, you can use your channel divinity to gain a plus 10 bonus to the roll. You make this choice after you see the roll, but before the DM says whether the attack hits or misses. Okay. If I ever really want to hit someone, and this is one per long rest, I think. Yeah, channel divinity is either on a long or a short. Uh, Next page, I think. Yes. Oh, no, it has it right up here. Channel Divinity, one per rest um, at second level. At second level. Cool. Um, and then there isn't another Channel Divinity boost until sixth level, so that's going to be... Except with Channel Divinity, you can also try and turn undead. And at fifth level, you do get destroy undead of a challenge rating of a quarter or lower. Yes. Um, but I only get one. As right. far as like slots for that, I only get one use of it per rest, short or long. Right. Okay. The other thing we need to bring up is you will have passed level four, so you get either an ability score increase or a feat. Ooh. Um, and many feats come with a built-in ability score increase. Do you have any 
off the top of your head that you feel like would be good? Because I don't, I've never paid that much attention to feats. I kind of like the numbers. They yeah. Let's see. What's your wisdom at? Fifteen. Yeah. So you only need to go up one. So I think it's worth looking real quick for a wisdom feat, um, just to see if there's anything that does give you that and something else. Because going up two wouldn't help you in this case. But going up one and getting another bonus, I think, would. All right, so I have three options that I think would be be good options. Uh, The first one is Heavy Armor Master. This increases your strength, which doesn't help you a ton here, but it's a thing. The other thing, though, is that whenever you take bludgeoning, piercing, or slashing damage, if you're in your Heavy Armor mode, and it's a non-magical weapon, the damage you take is reduced by three. So that's kind of a nice one. Uh, There's Sentinel. Uh, whenever you hit a creature with an opportunity attack, they can't move for the rest of the turn, which is good if they're, like, trying to run away or something. Yeah. Uh, they also provoke opportunity attacks from you even if they take the disengage action on their turn, and if a creature's within five feet of you and attacks a different target other than you, you can use your reaction to make an automatic attack against them. So, lots of options there. And then the last one is tough, which would just, for this level five, would give you an additional ten hit points. Yeah. Um... Oh, I, so heavy arm, the, the heavy armor master one is, uh, would be great as long as I'm in my heavily armored form. Right. But it doesn't really do too much for me because I'm assuming that I'm only going to get hit pretty rarely if I'm in my heavily armored form with a maximum armor class of like 21. Sure. If I have a shield with me. Um, yeah. So so yeah that that's kind of a it's kind of an interesting one, um, so, but I don't think I'm gonna get hit that much. And then um, the uh, the tough one is pretty cool because then if I'm not it gives me if I'm not in heavy armor, it gives me a bonus to not get uh, to not take as much of a consequence because I have just more hit points. In right. And then what was the what was the other one? Uh, Sentinel. Sentinel. That one is the one where you basically get all the fun stuff with an opportunity attack. Yeah, I just get to glue everybody to me. Like, yeah, that's definitely like one way to look. Is at. Supposed to like a tank is supposed to. Do. I I kind of like, um, I kind of like both of those. Okay. Um, ooh, this is tough. Um, I. Th- Think um all right contestant have you made your decision i have i'm going to go um, I'm going to go with really committing to the gluing stuff to me. Okay. Go ahead and write Sentinel down on your features and traits section, um, along with all the other stuff that you're going to have to write down there. Um, and of course you'll have this book with you. So, uh, if you need a page number for that, just so that you don't have to write the whole thing, uh, that's going to be on page 169 of the player's handbook. All right, so that just about does it for making your character. Of course, there's all the other things that you're going to get from, you know, writing in your spell statistics, uh, how much of a bonus you get and all that. Um, Really not terribly important. We go over that in the podcast. 
today, but there is one more thing that we need to go over. You're a level 5 character, and that means that theoretically, you've been adventuring a fair amount, and there's good reason to believe that you would have acquired treasure mm. of some kind, which means magic items, particularly in Eberron, because Eberron has so much magic. Okay. So, we're going to roll you up some magic items. I've never had a magic item. This is cool. All right, so we're going to start by having you roll 1d10, I believe it is. Okay. And I'm going to tell you how much gold you get. All right. That's a 2. 2, so 2 times 25, 50. So 550 gold. Ooh, okay. Now, I'm not going to have you spend that right now. You can do that before we start playing in a few weeks. Um, but be sure to spend it. Um, you don't have to spend all of it, obviously, because there might be good reason to hold on to some gold. For the adventure. Okay. But feel free to buy any magic item for any price listed in the Dungeon Master's Guide during that time. Okay. The next thing we're going to give you is we're going to give you one uncommon magic item. Um, now, there are two types of uncommon magic items. There are minor and major items. We're going to give you a major uncommon item. So what I want you to do, we've got Xanathar's Guide to Everything with us. Grab your percentage dice. We're going to roll them three times. And we're, what we're going to do is we're just going to start at the top of the major items uncommon list. And the first thing on the list is one, and we'll just count down whatever you get. And you will pick one of those three items that you roll up based on what you want most. Okay. So that's a 40. 40? Okay. Four and a, 40 and a zero. So you have 40. All right. Let's see what your first roll is. So your first roll is a 40. We're going to go ahead and write that down. Second roll is a 51. And third roll, 29. All right, so let's see. The 40 is... Ring of Water Walking. All right. And the 51? Uh, Wand of War Mage. And the 29? Uh, Javelin of Lightning. All right. So those are all uh, pretty dope. Uh, now, we can take a look at each of these, or you can just decide which one sounds coolest, and we can go with that. Your choice. Um, I I kind of want to take a quick look at them. Okay. Um, I I don't know much about your campaign setting, but I I don't know if there's going to be a whole lot of use for a ring of water walking in a city of towers. But you just gave me a look like I'm not going to tell you just in case. Yep. Um, just in case there is water, now you won't know, and now you're going to second guess yourself and pick yep, the water. Yep. That's a, that's definitely what's going on there. <laughs> um, I'm just pulling that up real quick. Uh, let's see here. Now it's possible because I'm just flipping through the DM's guide. It's possible some of these are specifically in Xanathar's guide. Uh, Ring of water walking. So while wearing this ring, you can stand on and move across any liquid surface as if it were solid ground. No surprise there. Yeah, kind of figured. Okay, um, what was the next one? Wand, next of, the one, Wand of the War Mage. Okay. Uh, plus one? Is that what it was? Yeah. yeah. Plus one. While holding this wand, you gain a bonus to spell attack rolls determined by the wand's rarity. In addition, you ignore half cover when making a spell attack. Huh. Huh. So, like, no disadvantage. So, yeah, wow, actually, that's really good. And what was the last one? Javelin of Lightning? Javelin of Lightning. Javelin of lightning. Now this is a, this is a good one. I know that because it's a lightning javelin. What what could possibly go wrong with that? It would feel like Zeus. Javelin of lightning. This one by far and away has the longest description. This javelin is a magic weapon. 
When you hurl it and speak its command word, it transforms into a bolt of lightning, forming a line 5 feet wide that extends out from you to a target within 120 feet. Each creature in the line, <laughs> excluding you and the target, must make a DC 13 dexterity saving throw, taking 4d6 lightning damage on a failed save, and half as much damage on a successful one. The lightning bolt turns back into javelin when it reaches the target. Make a ranged weapon attack against the target. On a hit, the target takes damage from the javelin plus 4d6 lightning damage. The javelin's property can't be used again until the next dawn. In the meantime, the javelin can still be used as a magic weapon. So anything that, you know, says like, oh, it, you know, takes half damage unless it's a magic weapon, it still counts as a magic weapon for all those intents. You know, that's so cool, except I have such a low dexterity. So for like throwing stuff. Oh, true, true. I have such a low dexterity. But you do get your proficiency bonus to it automatically. Mm, yeah, so that would be plus four. Which isn't great, but it is still there. Let's see. But it, comparing that to, like, if I was attacking with, like, a Warhammer or something like sure. that. Sure. Where I would get, like, a... Where I would get, like, a plus six. Sure. Sure, sure. I don't know, it sounds so cool, though. It is really cool. But don't forget, you do have 500 gold that you can uh, spend on other various things. Yeah. Um. So, interesting Warforged fact. Okay. They don't actually need to breathe. Okay. So, I'm... I'm wondering how that factors into water walking, because, like, as long as it's, you know, something I can walk across the bottom of. Sure. So is it a choice, then, between the javelin and the wand? It is a choice between the javelin and the wand. Um, man, I really hope... This, I'm going to go with the javelin. I really hope I get okay. a chance to use that, and it's actually successful. I, yeah, I, really I hope so, hope too. So. I hope you get a really cool opportunity for that. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for the character creation, except for the final question that you have to ask. I have to ask about building your character because this is the other detail about the campaign setting I haven't told you. And this is what everyone's going to have to answer. This is going to be a murder mystery. Why is Wall involved in a murder mystery? Now, a little bit of context. This murder mystery is I'm something... the context. <laughs> you what? I'm going to need the context. Yeah, no, the context is really important. So the murder mystery is definitely going to be one of those where the police are already involved. Okay. So you can be working with the police. You can be working uh, as your own thing. Whatever. But you need to think about why you are involved in this. Now, one other thing that I will tell you, I will already tell you who has been murdered... And the implications of that. Okay, I would like to know. I feel like this might be the deciding factor in how I engage with this. The dead woman is the elf, Elara di Thrani. Now, the Thrani house is known for their dragon mark of shadow, and the Thrani house specifically is known for entertainment and assassination. That's what they specialize in. When other houses need somebody offed, they go to this house. They're surprised that one of their people is dead? They're surprised that one of their people is dead within their own tower. Oh, okay. This is a big deal. Um, 
Now, the blame is going a couple of different places. Of course, the the Rani are being blamed for just, you know, doing it themselves, as are their twin house, the Filarin. Now, the Filarin, they also bear the mark of shadow. It's the one house, that, it's the two houses that share the same mark. There's only 12 dragon marks, but there's 13, now 14, houses. And they're, of course, also being blamed. And, of course, as always... So is the 14th house, the Warforged. The Warforged. Uh, and most people think it's the Warforged because Elara di Thorani was very outspoken against the creation of this house. So a lot of people think that it might have been the Warforged. But, of course, they also get that, you know, the Falarin do espionage and the Thorani do assassination... They, they kind of get that, you know, this might not be as simple as it looks. Yeah. So, how does that inform your decision as to why Wall is involved in this murder mystery? Mm. So, Wall likes to protect people. Okay. Um, and he's going to see this going on, and he's... He's definitely going to be all for arresting the guilty party, even if that party is warforged. He's not going into this with the assumption that they didn't do it. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, but he... Um, but he would want to... Uh, he would want to defend his, you know, little, you know... Um, non-metallic meat bag type of you know meat bag type of companions who would, okay. would want to defend them um no no offense to our to our other players i think you're or to our are, audience or, or to our audience or to our no no offense to our audience you are all carbon-based life forms and my robot hates you <laughs> um, <laughs> uh no so he would want to defend his friends and i think he would mostly be motivated by trying to figure out who did it, whether they're warforged or not. Okay. So, how then does he get involved? Because this is a police matter. Now, Eberron is, I like to think of it as somewhere between Victorian-era technology, modern technology, and super-futuristic technology, but all done based on magic. So, there is a captain of the police already working on the case. Does he know Wall? Has Wall ever spent a night in prison? Probably. Then, yes. He, he's the, so he's the type of guy who would get into trouble, but then would politely go with the police officers when they asked him. Sure. So, Captain Dormel, the dwarven police officer, definitely knows Wall. Okay. And, you know, has seemed like if Wall was the kind to go drinking, that he would have been willing to go drinking with him, but while being a robot and all. Wall would try. <laughs> so, but it seemed like he almost asked him at one point, like, hey, you want to go get him? I'll be seeing you around. <laughs> that was kind of how the interaction went. Um, so, so Wall would not be the type of person I would assume that Captain Dormel would want to um, just, like, go, hey, can you help me investigate this? Absolutely, sure. But, but Wall would be the type of person to just, like, walk into a cordoned-off police, you know, cordoned-off police area and be like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> and 
I'm going to say that's how he got involved. I agree. Oh, no. He, He's not involved yet. That's what's going to happen. Okay. That's how your character's going to get introduced. Okay. I'm very excited to see how the other three say that they're involved. I'm hoping at least one of them says they are affiliated with the police. I, I kind of hope that the police, like, you know, never exactly tell him yes to, like, they, they never yeah, no, no. tell him they're okay with him being there. I'm kind of hoping that's the case. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping for a couple of extremes. We'll see how this actually plays out, because I'm not going to let anyone else know, you know, what people's uh, relationship to the case is exactly until the day of. Sweet. Uh, and it won't happen until we start recording the session. But uh, I'm hoping that we get your character... Uh, who's just the kind of, hey, I bumbled onto this because I'm legitimately interested in this for many reasons. I hope that we get the cop, I hope we get the consultant, and I hope we get the criminal who, you know, has to be a consultant to gain his freedom. Sweet. I'm hoping we get all of that. We'll see how it turns out. Uh, we got we got quite the mix of players who definitely have their own ideas. But I think we have a great session uh, coming up. I'm very excited for it. I'm super excited for this as well. And I hope that I can... Uh, hope that Wall will be just as fun as I'm imagining him to be. I, I think he will be. Uh, quick shout out to my mother. She helped me to write the adventure that we're going to be playing. Uh, she's watched more murder mystery television than anybody else I know, so I asked her a lot of questions about how to get the plot to actually work. So shout out to my mom. Cool. All right. Uh, we don't have a typical outro for this time, but uh, in a few weeks uh, it'll be time to roll initiative. just me it's just me recording the beggar's corner and i'm gonna go again through our contact info it's gonna be initiative roll at gmail.com and then of course there's our blog initiative roll.blogspot.com and then we've also got the twitter and uh instagram pages so on twitter it's initiative underscore roll and on instagram it's the same thing initiative underscore roll in both cases, that's going to be R-O-L-E, role, like role-playing. Um, today's episode is going to be dedicated to Clay Ellsworth, who has actually been a guest on the show before, and the reason I'm dedicating this episode to him is because he's actually the one who gave me all the resources that I first had when playing D&D as an adult. Now, Clay is going to be on the show next time and the time after that, because of the one-shot, but I thought it would be appropriate to dedicate it to the guy who gave me what I needed to get started doing D&D again as an adult. So, this episode's dedicated to Clay. Roll, a dungeon master.
Master's Guide to Mastering Dungeons bonus content. I'm your Dungeon Master, Nathaniel Johnson. And I'm your player, Logan Johnson. Uh, so by this time, you've probably been clued into the fact that we're doing bonus episodes. I'm in preparation for our live play episode that will be coming up uh, pretty shortly here. Um, so we're going to be playing in the Eberron setting, is that right? Yes, that is right. Um, so I guess I'll introduce my character. Yeah, before we do that, uh, just a quick one-minute introduction with the Eberron setting. It's a high magic setting where magic is indistinguishable from technology, and there are things like sentient robots and all that fun jazz that comes with, you know, advanced magic in a fantasy setting. And I think your character is the only character who doesn't have a race tied directly to the Eberron campaign. Yeah, so it's going to be a really interesting playthrough um, because we do have so much drawing heavily from that campaign setting, mm-hmm. uh, which is part of the reason why we decided to create these episodes to convey more effectively what each of those is about, maybe some of the skills and abilities before we go too right. deeply into it. Um, so I'll go ahead and I'll introduce my character. Uh, so I'm going to be playing a character named Ariel Lucas. Okay. Uh, she goes by Traveler is the the name that she'll probably be referred to most in the campaign. Um, she is a drow. Or drow, drow, I have heard it both ways on that. Drow, 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 your boat. Think about it. Drow, drow, drow the way? Like, no, no, no the way? Right. I, I don't know. There's, there's options. Drow a mullet? As in grow a mullet? Brow as in... Like, your brow, like, the sweat of your brow? Yeah, the sweat of my drow. <laughs> the sweat of your drow, yeah. Like, so we threw it both ways, and we're not actually sure how to pronounce it. Uh, if one of our listeners wants to comment in on the please, correct pronunciation... Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> please Nobody don't. wants to we be appreci- that pretentious person. We appreciate it, but we don't. Right. Um, awesome, yeah, so uh, drow bard, or drow bard. Uh, Bardess? Bardette. I think it's still just a bard. You don't have to add a feminine syllable or a feminine suffix to the end of everything. I can just say she's a welder. <laughs> I can just Welderet. say she's a welderess. <laughs> wow! All right, we're in this cast now. Huh? <laughs> no, well, it's just it's yeah, it's one of those things that it's like oh, well, you don't realize how much our language forces gender on people. So many things. It's really interesting. Uh, what level are we playing as? Fifth. Oh shoot. Yeah, it's going to be a real fun, I hope. Okay, Bard, level 5, writing this in pen, so... Yeah, that's an interesting choice. <laughs> but um, you will probably never level uh, Traveler up, so it should work. Okay. Uh, Drow, so I'm going to go ahead and roll stats real quick. Okay, and once again, uh, you can either roll 5d6 and take the highest 3 for your ability scores, or you can roll 7 sets and drop the lowest of the 7. Okay, I'm going to roll seven and drop the lowest. Okay. All right, so we got a 15. Okay. A 16. That's Very spicy. nice. Uh, we got a nine. Oof. Hopefully that'll be the one I drop. Uh, 11. Okay. Dang, another 16. Very nice. <laughs> Looking good. Um, a seven. So that's going to go. And then an eight. Oh, wow. So Yeah, pretty good spread. (laughs) Um, Yeah. uh, So for those who aren't super familiar with bards, the two skills that you really want are 
your dexterity and your charisma, emphasis on charisma. I'm going to make those both 16s um, will be my, my go-to there. But first, I'm going to pull the racial stats. All right, let's do that. For, for the drow. Yeah, I'm going to pull that up too. Now, the drow, because I am going to pronounce it the alternate way just to be that guy. Yeah, all right. They do have some interesting um, deficiencies, might be the best way to put it. Um, so the, the drow, they come from the Underdark. They're supposed to live there. They're typically evil. They come from a dark down under. Um, <laughs> you don't have to play an evil drow, obviously, but that's typically what Where are the elves? Are. Uh, the elves are going to be on page 24 is where you're looking. That's really weird. Everything's alphabetical. Except for elves. No, it's they. It is and it's not. So it goes: dwarves, elves, halflings, humans. Uh, restart with the less common. So the gotcha. dragonborn, the half elves. Gotcha. Oh right, elf. So as a regular elf, your dexterity dexterity just goes up by two. Just that's part of being an elf. Oh okay, cool. Because you've got the race and then the sub race features. Yeah. So. Dexterity is going to be an 18, then. Very nice. Yeah, that's spicy. That's plus four. I mean, it's not like any of the bards you've ever played before with a perfect charisma score. <laughs> hey, what can I say? Whenever I roll an 18, I decide I'm going to play bard. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, let's see. Anything else terribly important? Um, almost everything else you can just add in after the cast, except for, of course, uh, like, age, because, like, how old is Traveler? Is she young, middle-aged, old? Yeah, she's young, so she just claimed adulthood. So she's, like, 111? 111. 11 I'm you sorry. very much. Is, uh, is that what she's going to be? Well, no, we'll say, we'll put her, there's not even a spot for age on this sheet. I know. So Th that's more leave. of a, for your... Yeah, I'm going to put her somewhere around 120. Okay. That should be fine. Uh, let's... Essentially a teenager, which should be cool. Um, a teenager who maybe claimed adulthood just a little early. Okay. Um, let's see. Um, do you have a preference on your alignment? Because, like I said, the drow are typically considered evil. Yeah, so, oh. I don't play evil a ton. That's cool. You don't have to. It's just... I'm going to play be. lawful evil and just see where things go from there. Okay, okay. We got some interesting questions coming up for you that you don't know about yet. So. Oh, cool. That should add a little bit more to this cast than I was expecting. Okay, charisma goes up by one. Very nice. Dark vision has a 120. You have disadvantage on attack rolls and oof. Okay, and wisdom checks in the sun, specifically perception. Um, if my target is in direct sunlight. I know dancing lights... Uh, fairy fire and darkness. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah, so they come with some interesting uh, deficiencies, like I said, but I think they make up for it. Yeah, sure. I'm going to go ahead and drop these into my spellcasting list here real quick. Okay. Dancing lights. Fairy fire and darkness was the last one. Yeah. And darkness is really cool. There was one time I uh, had a dragon drop a darkness spell on the party. I think we talked about it on the episode with Quinn and Clay. Yeah. And so that that's a fun spell. Take a look at that when you've got time. Um, okay. Uh, so that's cool. You have proficiency with rapiers, short swords, and hand crossbows. Yeah. Uh, so is that just going to be standard rapier then? Yeah, yeah. So 
with all of that said, uh, most of this you can just write in. Any of the things that are going to be, you know, just whatever. There are some house rules that I want to focus on for this cast. Okay. Uh, this is the fun part for us. Um, though, with being a bard, uh, have you decided on the college you want to be in as a bard? No. Let me hold you off there for one second. Sure. Am I going to be... Level four, are we playing feats or just... Oh, we are playing with feats. Okay. So I'll keep that in mind. My charisma right now is at a 17. I'm just going to note that below where I'm going to... Because the final score is probably going to be affected by ability score increases. Oh, yeah. Sure. And you're writing in pen. Yes. Uh, Do you want to fill in the other four ability scores? Yeah, let's do it. Um, I always play with strength as my lowest, so I'm not going to do that... Probably a wise choice, given that we're playing in the city of a thousand towers, and uh, there might there might just be a little bit of uh, climbing that has to happen. Oh shoot! Dang. Yeah, I think she's probably gonna have a fifteen to her strength, which is okay. what? Uh, plus two. Okay. And for you listeners at home, uh, we will be uploading pictures of all of this, so that of all the character sheets when we're both before and after the adventure, so that you can kind of see. I think I'm going to go... What happens? Intelligence for eight. Really? Okay. Constitution for nine, and wisdom for 11. Okay, okay. Uh, Hit me up with the pluses and minuses on those. Uh, Nine and eight are both minus one. And 11 is zero, correct? Yep. Okay, and we'll figure out charisma once we hit feats, because there's going to be some stuff. Uh, Let's deal with health really quick. Okay. Let's do that. Uh, so, so you're a bard. That's what, a D8? Yeah. Do you want to roll or just take the standard amounts? Uh, I'll just take the standard five. Okay. Uh, five so, minus one, so it's yeah, going to be so four. four. every time. Dang. So this seven, seven plus 16. 23. Uh, it's not awful. It's not great for saying I have five hit dice. Um. Normally, I would have you fill in your armor class right now, too, but we're not going to do that because there might be some factors that affect your armor class. Okay. Proficiency is in dexterity and charisma for saving throws. Oh, this one's weird, yo. This character sheet you printed off? Well, I didn't print it off. I got it with the character yeah, yeah, yeah. sheet pack. Sorry. But they give you a couple of different ones. This one only has room for very few skills. Oh, interesting. And it's just the ones that you would be proficient in, theoretically. Right. Okay. So we better pick the proficiencies real quick. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, man, without a list of skills in front of me, this is going to be hard. Yeah, would you just uh, like the list? No, I got it right here. Okay. I am going to go... So at this point, I'll have double proficiency in at least two. Okay. And proficiency in three. It's called expertise. I don't know why it's called double proficiency. Because that's what it does. Yeah. It, double proficiency is one of the reasons I like playing rogue sometimes, is because it's like, oh yeah, I just have like a plus ridiculous amount to this, to this specific ability. Okay. Man, I'm having a hard time finding what I'm looking for. It's okay. 
Okay, yeah, I was just looking for how many skills I get. Looks like it's going to be three. So, ooh, I just kicked the table. Let's go ahead. I'm going to take Intimidation. Oh, okay, interesting. Uh, what's Proficiency bonus? Um, at fifth level, the Proficiency bonus plus is three, plus right? three. Yeah, which is uh, real fun. I don't know if I have a box for that. I wonder if this might be a fourth edition character sheet. Oh, that'd be weird. Yeah, I would think so, but there's no. You're not seeing a proficiency. Oh, weird. Maybe it is a fourth edition character sheet. Interesting. Okay, well, I'm gonna write plus three above my skills. Okay. It's a very nice looking character sheet. Yeah, it's super polished. But where? But yeah, it doesn't have nearly as many things on there as. Uh, yeah, and my boxes are for like things you should do and things you shouldn't do. That's got to be a fourth edition. That's thing. got to be. Interesting. That is interesting. Um, so let's take Intimidation, which I'm going to have a... I mean, at this point, it's going to be... Well, we'll have to figure that out later. I'll take... And I'll take Double in that. Okay. And then I will take... You know, let's do... Hmm, persuasion... And performance. Okay. So now typically the background they recommend is the entertainer background. And with the entertainer background, it recommends that you take the skills of acrobatics and performance as the two extra you get for your background. Okay. Uh, yeah, let's do that. Along with a disguise kit and one type of musical instrument. Yeah, good for me. Acrobatics. Um... By the way, listeners at home, I we get that this might not be the most entertaining thing to listen to, but we just wanted you to see kind of, you know, a little behind the curtain of of how we do things like build characters. Right. Behind the Sabrina screen, if you will. Behind the Sabrina screen. Uh, like we said, this is bonus content. This is just going up on our website, not as episode content on Spotify or iTunes. I mean, that might be literally impossible. It well, might be? Mm, no, I could probably swing it. Okay. So Tough, but I could probably swing it. So we'll be doing that if we can swing it, and that way, if you're interested, you're here, and if this isn't your thing, we totally get it. I just had a panic attack where I realized I might have met somebody named Ariel Lucas before, so I'm just going to drop that. Any uh, resemblance to actual persons living or dead is purely coincidental. <laughs> uh, now I just want to like have the law and order, dong dong, sound effect, which that did not sound anything like it. Can but. we go for the 24? Apparently, we watched a lot of early 2000s uh, TV growing up. Yep. All right, I gotta pick one more skill. I... Sleight of hand. Yep. I was gonna recommend that. That or perception to make up for your. Uh... Yeah, I thought about that one too. Okay. Um. So. Okay. Um, it's going to take me a long time during this live play session to come up with some of these numbers. Yeah. It's just not conducive to that. Yeah. I'm sure we'll come up with that, but uh, let's let's go ahead and move on past this. Yeah. Uh, any spells or other bardic features that you can fill in uh, that are just standardized, uh, you can do. But I do want you to pick your bardic college. Yeah, let's do that. Um, so we are going to let you pick from both Xanathar's and from... Uh, from the player's handbook. Yeah, I think I'm just going to pick from the player's handbook since you didn't bring Xanathar's. Oh, no, I totally did. Oh, no way. Where is it? It's on my phone. 
Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. So, but I mean, I will probably still go for just one of the standard ones. Do you have an idea of what you want already? Um, no, but it's one of two, so it's not gonna be the hardest pick. Let's see, college. Okay, I'm only gonna get the base. Um, right. So yeah, you may as well. I'm gonna pick the College of Lore. Okay. Which will give me cutting words to use my wit to distract, confuse, and otherwise sap the confidence and competence of others. Perfect. I, I think that's great. Um, the only other one before you write that down that I might recommend, given the campaign setting, is the College of Whispers which would give you features like Psychic Blades and Words of Terror. I forgot about that one. Yeah, I'm going to do it. Where, uh, do you want the College of Whispers? Yeah. Okay. So I'll go ahead and read Psychic Blades. Well, don't read what it does. Just read what abilities I get, and we'll deal with it in-game. In right. So Psychic Blades, which is essentially you can use an inspiration to do an extra 2d6 psychic damage to the target. Nice. Which it increases actually to 3d6 at fifth level. Okay. Um... Words of Terror, um, if you speak to a humanoid alone for at least one minute, you can attempt to seed paranoia in its mind. Shoot. And then, of course, there's the mechanical rules for how that works, but... Cool. Yeah. So that's a, that's a thing. Nice. Um, everything else, do, on, do outside of this cast, because uh, it's just the standard Is level passive of passive perception 10 plus... 10 plus perception bonus, yeah. No proficiency? No. Well, whatever your, whatever your perception total bonus would be. So if you are proficient in it, then yes. If not, then no. Okay. Awesome. Passive perception 10. Um, so up next, we have to deal with the stuff that comes from you being level 4. And that means you get either a feat or an ability score increase. Yeah, I think it's going to be a feat. Just give Chippewa one second. Yeah, and of course there's also the ones in Xanathar's that are race-specific. I'm not sure if there's any for the drow. Yeah, we'll probably just leave those alone. Yeah. It'll be easier. I'll take a quick look. I the, mean, that's fine, but it's probably going to be... The only one is drow high magic, is what it's called. And uh, let's see. You learn more of the magical type of dark elves, typical of dark elves. You can learn the detect magic spell and can cast at will without expending a slot slot. You also learn levitate and dispel magic, each of which you can cast once without expending a spell slot, and you regain the ability to cast those two spells in this way when you finish a long rest. Yeah, that's fine. I So, three extra spells that you would get. Cool, but, you know, whatever. Up to you. A levitate spell would be kind of cool. Yeah, okay. I'm going to go for actor feat. Okay. What does that one do? So that will increase my charisma score by 1 to a maximum of 20, which will bring me up to 18 or plus 4. Very nice. I. It will also give me advantage on deception and performance checks when trying to pass myself off as another person. Sure. Um, I can also mimic the speech of another person or the sounds made by other creatures. I must have heard them speaking or making the sound for at least a minute. A successful... Insight against my charisma deception allows a listener to determine the effect is fake. Okay, great. So we've done all of the stuff that you would normally do in leveling a player. Yeah, what about armor? Um, that's why. That's one of those things that I've held off on because of the final stage of the character creation that we're going to do that's a little weird. Okay. Um, however, let's, uh, let's talk about some more of the character things that you haven't necessarily thought about yet because you don't know enough about the setting. Yeah. Um, sorry, what was my background again? Uh, you picked Entertainer, I think, is okay. what... Or I suggested it based on the quick build. Yeah, that's and what And you I went did. with that's it. What I did. 
Um, so I got a. She is gonna be five ten, and let's make her light. How's ninety five pounds? Nice. Helps with those acrobatics. Oh my gosh, I love it. I love it so much. So, with that, we are, like I said, playing in the Eberron campaign setting. Uh, now, how familiar with this setting are you? Fairly familiar. Okay. Not inordinately, but... Comfortably. As familiar as I could be without actually ever playing in it. Yeah. Or reading the book. Right. So... Not very familiar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Enough that you're like, oh, I have an idea of what people are talking about when they say that. Right. Familiar, but not too familiar, but not too not familiar. Right. Exactly. Uh, Shout out to my boys, John Roderick and the Long Winters. Yep. So, the, I've run an ever I've run an ever on campaign setting before, and this is probably the first time that I've told you this. I I know it was the first time when I told Greg, and will be the first time when I tell Quentin Clay. Um, this is taking place in the exact same setting that I ran previously in, just fifty years after those events. Yeah, you put that in the group chat. I did. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, with that said, a lot has gone down. Normally, there are thirteen noble houses, distinguished by their dragon mark tattoos. Uh, however, two years ago, there was a civil war of sorts fought, except for it was more of a war of protest, and there is now a 14th house. Sure, so there were 13 colonies, and then some time passed, and then some of them seceded, and there right. was a civil war, and now there's more than 13? Yeah, okay. that's what we're saying. Cool. Um, now, the 13 houses are based on the 12 dragon mark tattoos that spontaneously appear in the members of the house and provide them magic abilities. Um, the 14th house fought for their rights as a house because even though they don't get dragon mark tattoos, they are the warforged, the robots made of magic. And they're like, no, even though we don't have magic manifest itself on us, we are made of magic and we have the right to a house of our own. Okay. And to basically be involved in the politics of the city. Sure. Um, things that changed with this, warforged. No taxation without representation. Right. Warforged up to this point were not allowed to uh, reproduce, which would be a magical process that they'd have to, like, you know, gather the materials and create the warforged. Um, what? Nothing. Okay. So no it's a magical process. Sure. <laughs> no new warforged had been created since the last war. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but it's after the... So after magical, I can't After it. the War of the Forged... Um, nope. <laughs> Bad. <laughs> oh, I know, but uh, war names are... War names are not usually great. No, man. The War of 1812 that happened in like the four years prior to 1812. <laughs> uh, the Seven Years War, the Hundred Years War, the Thirty Years War. Yeah, no. War names are not historically very clever. So the War of the Forged. The Civil War. <laughs> right. Oh. Or the War of Northern Aggression, depending on what part of the country you're from. <laughs> You sound uncomfortable. What? <laughs> Nothing. So anyway, the Warforged now make a uh, make a 14th house. And uh, even though they're officially recognized and technically have the same power as the other houses, politically speaking, I mean, they don't. Sorry, one more time. Would you please repeat for the audience that minorities do not have as much power as other... Yeah. Yeah, other it, groups. It, it's a it's a thing that I'm definitely intentionally Who placing it as foreseen? a as a very believable problem. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Um, and everyone, anything goes wrong in the houses, and even if they don't really think it was the Warforged House, everyone kind of blames the Warforged House. 
Seems weird, but okay. Like, if, if there's no obvious, oh, this is what the problem was sure, caused yeah, by, yeah. they'll just blame it on them. We have to build a bridge between different towers because the Warforged are feeling, stealing American jobs. Sure, yeah. Yeah, something yeah, sure. like that. Sure, I'm there for it. Um, yikes. Um, hey, this is bonus content. I think I'm allowed to be political on this one. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, anyway, uh, with that said, uh, there is... There has been something that has happened uh, in the past day before the adventure starts that is directly important to, you know, to the campaign. This is what's going to kick off the adventure. Uh, there has been an elf of the, of the Therani house, which has the mark of shadow for the dragon tattoo, who has been murdered. Her name is Lady Ilaria de Therani. Now, what's really weird about this is the Therani, uh, they are the house that is known for assassins. If somebody needs somebody assassinated, they go to the Therani and ask them to do an assassination. So this is weird. <laughs> the assassin got assassinated. In her own house. like Pretty good. And Condition that, but she can't take it, huh? Yeah, yeah. Um, now, the other house that shares the Mark of Shadow, the only other house that shares this is oh i always forget the name of it uh the it starts with a p let's see here it's the fiarlin house okay the fiarlin house with a p yeah ph yeah so fiarlin um and they are known for entertainment and espionage whereas the thrani are known for entertainment and assassination um entertainment and espionage sounds like my jam that's part of what I wanted to ask you. Do you want to be associated with one of these two houses? Mm. Now, you can stew on that for a minute, because what's happened is a couple of different groups are being accused of murdering uh, Lady Ilaria de Therani. Um, obviously, the Fiarlin are being accused, as are the Therani themselves are being accused of it. And, you know, your boys, the Warforged. Are being accused of it. Who could have foreseen? So the two questions I want you to ask yourself. One, do you want to be associated with one of these two elf houses? And number two, why are you involved in this murder mystery? Good question. Which is why I'm giving you the possibility of being associated with one of these houses. Sure. Ooh. Give me the names of those houses again. The Fiarlin, Entertainment and Espionage. And the Therani, Entertainment and Assassination. Okay. And the Therani lady is the one who was killed. Here we go. Ariel Lucas, Traveler, is secretly engaged to uh, Devon Fiarlin. Okay. Who is a minor prince in the house. Okay. Fiarlin. Um, and therefore, we'll say, I'm going to world build here a little. We'll say he's directly under suspicion. Okay. I'm down with that. Uh, so yeah, let me make a note of that. Uh, can you hit me up with the the, the spelling? spelling of P H I A R L A N? Wait, hold on. P H I A R L A N. Okay, cool. Yeah, so that's Devon Fiarlin. Okay, um, will be a secret engagement that most are not privy to. Okay, I'm down with that. I think that works. Um, 
will say that he is then under suspicion and that will be my motivation for getting involved with this case. How's that? Okay, sounds great. Cool. Okay. Now, and that's why you want to get involved. I'm down with that. And we will deal with the exact details of that. Ooh, ooh. Let's, let's spice it up just a little further. Okay. This might help you. I don't know if it will. Let's say he doesn't know that I'm involved. I'm down with that. Let's say that he doesn't know that Ariel's getting in on this piece. I'm totally down with that. I think there's a lot of fun that could be done there. So that actually just brings us to the final section of what we have to do. Uh, you're a level 5 character, which means that it is reasonable that you would have access to treasure and magic items yes. at this point. So we're going to go ahead and allow you to make two die rolls. Uh, the first is going to determine how much gold you have. And now, outside of this life uh, character creation, you will be able to purchase, um, and you don't have to tell me, what you purchase, but you'll be able to purchase magic items for the campaign or any other items with the gold you get. Great. So go ahead and roll 1d10. It's 10. 10 times 25 plus 500. Shoot. So All that's right. what, 750? I'm there for it. That's uh, fantastic. That not right in pen. Yeah, no. Um, uh, maybe well, just make a note of it somewhere. Yeah, alright. Um... And then the other thing we have to do is we are going to give you a magic item. I'm just going to pull up the table here from Xanathar's Guide. You're going to go ahead and roll percentage dice three times, and you get to pick whichever of them you want. So go ahead and make a note of the three that you roll there. Okay, what are that's those three 80, numbers? 39, and 22. 80, 39, 22. Great. Let's look those up. All right. So given those three numbers, you've got three different items. You've got a ring of warmth that you could take, a headband of intellect, or gloves of thievery. Yo! So I'm pretty sure that yep. without even yep. looking, yep. you yep. want the ring of warmth. Wait, what? What? <laughs> what? Okay, if it was a ring of frost, that'd be different, because then I could always have a nice chilled beverage. Sure. Uh, no, so do you want to hear what gloves of thievery do? Because that yeah, sounds like the one you're interested in. I, I would be shocked if I do not take this one. These gloves are invisible while worn. Oh, that's lame. Well, no, no. While wearing them, you gain a plus five bonus to dexterity sleight of hand checks and dexterity checks made to pick locks. Whoa, wait, what? <laughs> In invisible while worn. Yep. So nobody can tell you're wearing these, uh, these magic gloves. Oh, man. Okay, invisible while worn. And you get a plus five bonus to dexterity sleight of hand checks and dexterity checks to, made to pick locks. So sleight of hand. Yep. And thieves tools use. Dang. I mean, it's really only going to affect my sleight of hand. Dang. I this is a murder mystery. Being able to pick locks might... Like, I don't have that skill. Oh, uh, if you want to switch out one of your entertainer skills uh, for that, like a disguise kit or a Ford or an instrument or whatever for that, I'm totally down for that. Well, I'm normally allowed how many instrument proficiencies? Uh, Three? Oh, yeah, and you'll already have an extra one as an entertainer. Yeah, okay. So I think I think that's a decision you can make uh, outside of this cast, but... Uh, no, I'll top out one of my instruments, no prob. <laughs> that's, not, that's not a tough one. <laughs> oh, it's just which instrument you're going to drop? Yeah. Uh, Are you going to drop the harpsichord or the lute? So she's a vocalist. Oh, okay, sure. 
that's gonna stick. I'm allowed three, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Not actually looking at the player's handbook right now, but yeah, I think so. Let's say she can also... <laughs> she plays the sax like Kenny G. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Kenny G. Do-do-do, uh... do-do-do, <laughs> Okay. That song? Not Careless Whisper. That's not what you're doing. No. I'm just doing that really famous well, Kenny G song. Other, other than Careless Whisper, I don't think anybody cares about sax performances. That's not true. What about the sax performance at the beginning of Run Away With Me, the opening track on Carly Rae Jepsen's 2015 okay, album, Emotion? Fair enough. I care about that. Uh, yeah, three musical instruments of your choice. So Yeah, okay, so she'll be a vocalist. Um, we'll say she can also play the flute, which is one I always pick. And... We'll give her the harp because that's dope. Cool. And then she'll get what a disguise kit and uh, thieves tools. Thieves tools. Very nice. And the gloves of thievery. Uh, and that's plus five bonus on sleight of hand and lock picking. Yep. Dope. Okay. So what else do we got? Is that it? That's it for this. Uh, the armor class uh, we can figure out actually real quick. It's gonna be fourteen. Is it? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've played enough of these things. Okay. Great. Uh, Unless of course you buy better armor. To initiative. I don't think I will, though. Okay. Um, what, so, is there anything else you need to know about my character? Uh, no. So, I guess we'll be seeing you all uh, when it's finally time to roll initiative. <laughs>